Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Planet, a podcast where two queer nerds talk about media we love. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about 1997's Spice World. Hell yeah, and it's the last week of camp. Woo! I hope you all had such a good summer with us. We had such a good summer with you. Yeah, this was uh, a a lot of fun. Yeah, I think we should do it again next year probably i'm gonna take you know the last week of camp to do some reminders like don't forget to get your camp ruthless merch we have glitter stickers and shirts i'm wearing one right now they look great spent a lot of time designing them you won't be sorry if you buy one they're really fun they are deeply cute thank you also oh we're doing a thing for august with our sticker club where if you join during this month then you get two stickers from our back catalog. So it's three stickers for the price of one. And they're all really cute, all designed by me or our bud Theo. And this month's sticker, I'm not going to spoil it, but it, what's it called? The idea, the the brain, it's the brainchild of Jesse, drawn by me, super excellent teamwork taking place here. And it's fucking rad yeah i'm uh i'm so excited about it uh i cannot wait to get one and slap it on all of my water bottles <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah yeah so you should join um you can either join in our shop at hashtag ruthless.com or you can join our sticker club and patreon together and save a little bit of money that's patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless final points orders of business upcoming stuff because we should tell people what we're doing so you can like watch and read and things um along with us if you want so in september we will be covering the second book in the his dark materials series the subtle knife yay um so yeah we'll do two episodes about that book our attention spans permitting we will be able to pack it into two episodes only i think we can do it um And in October, we will be covering Chuck Tingle's Camp Damascus, hopefully also talking to Chuck about that. I think that's probably going to happen. I haven't emailed him yet. Oh, yeah, we should do that. (laughs) I was thinking about it today. I'm like, oh, we only need to email Chuck about talking about. We have a little while. Um, And also, and then we'll be talking about Rocky Horror because our Rocky Horror live show was moved to October. It's now on October 19th, and the tickets are up already if you want to grab them. I'll put the link in the show notes and yeah, that I guess then we're going back to his dark materials, right? We'll be doing the Amber spyglass in November. So yeah. <laughs> Unless we decide to do something else, but yes, that yep, sounds because we right. do what we want. That's the point of this podcast. Yeah. Ah, the freedom. <laughs> I know it's great. And just a reminder too, I plan on putting this at the beginning of the Crybaby episode, but If you were like, oh, no, I've never watched Spice World and I can't because it's not streamable or rentable because it's out of copyright, it is on the Internet Archive. So if you had to duckduckgo.com and then type in what watch Spice World, like the first result will be a link to the Internet Archive. 
Yeah, which I mean, God bless them, because if honestly, if if, if uh, something goes out of print or is out of copyright, it should just be available for free. Right. You're like, there's no one who could be making money off of it besides like resellers on eBay. So right. Go watch the movie. Yeah. You will not regret it. You will I literally promise. not regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So that said, let me tell you what Spice World is about for folks who haven't watched it in a while, aren't going to watch it, whatever. <clears throat> five girls, five lives, one story. <laughs> Spice World is a tale as old as time, but as fresh as the newly cut grass. And that's fresh. Spice World follows the Spice Girls in the week leading up to their first big show, playing to a sold-out Albert's Hall, St. Albert's Hall, something. Along the way, they examine their spice personas, meet some aliens, are harassed by an evil tabloid tormentor, learn about the power of friendship, and in the end, just barely make it to the show on time. Best of all, this movie is more meta than a Chuck Tingle novel, culminating in the discovery that the movie we are watching is in fact the script being pitched to their manager Clifford throughout the film. If you love silly things, great clothes, meta humor, and girl power, this movie will make your day. And today's headline, Spice World. This is Spinal Tap for the girls, gays, and theys. Yes, nailed it. (laughs) 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 I fucking love this movie so much. All right, we're going to start off with the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Um, I just have to say that this, besides just the Spice Girls, this movie has a significant amount of gay icons. Alan Cummings is an actual character in this movie. Mm -hmm. Elton John makes an appearance. Meatloaf makes a couple of appearances. And for everyone who loves AbFab, Eddie from AbFab, the actress who plays Eddie playing Eddie in this movie, is just the perfect... One of the most perfect crossovers. Wait, who is that? Tell me everything. Okay, so so AbFab is about Eddie and her friend. Oh my god, I'm a bad gay. I'm totally blinking out on her friend. They're both like party girl, uh, like fashion designers, but they're in their like 40s. Okay. <laughs> and they just have like funny drunken adventures. And Eddie has a daughter who is very like frumpy and serious. And it's just full of a lot of, like, high fashion and just ridiculous jokes. And I feel like so many gay people I know love AbFab. I need to watch it. Wait, who is that in this movie? She is at a party talking to... The one who's talking to Posh about designers? Yeah, and it's like, I I was like, I was talking to a Spice Girl. Yeah, that's her. Okay, amazing. Love that. Yeah. So whoever wrote this knew what they were doing when they're like... The guys are going to love this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We also fucking, we have two Rocky Horror alums in this movie because Riff Raff is like one of our big bads in he's this one, movie. He's so. one of our big bads. And for folks that don't know, he wrote, co-wrote Rocky Horror. And so there is a little Rocky Horror connection here. All right. Um, where was I? My next... The gay people in this movie. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah, Elton John was apparently friends with them in real life, all of them, which is adorable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like not only is Meatloaf, of course, in Rocky Horror, but I feel like, I feel like bears love Meatloaf. Oh, I mean, 
That makes so much sense. And I'm saying that as having met bears across many genders who love meatloaf, I'm just kind of like, oh, meatloaf is a queer icon, obviously. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense because I feel like meatloaf, you know, is the kind of like motorcycle daddy vibes that like very easily like blurs gender boundaries because I kind of feel like motorcycle daddy is like an amorphous gender in and of itself like anyone can identify that way and like that's very much where meatloaf lands in terms of like presentation so yeah cool nice yeah um so my first thing is that as you texted me we start this movie off essentially with um a horoscope section (laughs) we sure do (laughs) it's so good it's so funny because it's like clearly written by someone who knows fuck all about astrology but like does know the zodiac signs of the spice girls you know Mm -hmm. and this movie was written by the brother of the person who put the spice girls together like the talent agent guy which i'll talk a little bit more about later but my favorite thing like that okay back up recently on patreon I think on our gay pirate astrology episode, someone commented like, I don't even believe in astrology, but like the Aquarius conversation in this was like such a read or something. And it took 1 million percent of my willpower to not comment. That's because you're an Aquarian. Aquarians don't believe in anything because then I would have had to like explain A, the reference, and B, that Aquarians are actually known for believing in things. And so like- (laughs) That's not true, but also, like, it was so, like, can you, it was really hard, guys. I want everyone to just, like, take some space (laughs) to understand. I'm I'm really glad that you could clear that up, because that sounds really frustrating, and I'm glad we could talk about this now. (laughs) Thank you. Because it would have been an excellent joke, and you're right, I think it would have been, like, this requires you to have very specific 1990s pop culture (laughs) information. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, yeah. So, Baby Spice is an Aquarius. Sporty Spice is a Capricorn. Ginger Spice is a Leo. I think that's all we get in this. I feel that makes sense for from what I know about Jerry as a person outside of the Spice Girls, and I guess in the Spice Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Do you have anything else about that specific thing? Just that I now am. I guess I'm going to have to Google Mel B. She was born May 29th. Is that like her Taurus? You said May 29th? Mm-hmm. It's Gemini. Okay. Anyway, okay, let's let's yes. get back in here. Yeah, all right. Sort of along your astrology point, I, I mean not, but I really like that every girl has a themed area of the bus as someone who like doesn't have like a lot of knowledge about the Spice Girls. It really helped me remember which Spice Girl was which. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, aside from Jerry, who is Ginger Spice because she has red hair, and Mel B. Scary Spice because she's the only black person in not the only black person in this movie, but <laughs> in this yeah. Group. So yeah, I was very I was glad that they had this like theme. So it's like okay, I can connect. I can figure that from context. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, The fucking joke. So 
to the listener, there's this like running thing where like the Spice Girls have a sort of enigmatic chief who's like a James Bond reference who just like, I don't know, shows up to say like things that don't make any sense and then like hang up the phone. But the goddamn joke where (laughs) Clifford, their manager, is like, "Uh, do you want me to stir things up? And he's like, there's no need for any stirring. And when he says that, he's literally shaking a fucking martini. I think this was the first time in my life that I was grown up enough to get that joke. And so it was like such a joy to find a new thing to laugh at when watching this movie that I've seen hundreds of times. Like... Oh, I fucking love it. It was so great. Yeah, they really leaned into having someone who used to play James Bond in this movie. They're like, we're just going to go all in on the jokes, um, yep. which is, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, every, all those scenes were just a joy because it just gets progressively weirder. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like along along that, I was like, how come I'm not just sitting around in a really great like dressing gown feeding up like holding a progression of animals like he starts off with a cat and then at some point he's like bottle feeding a like a piglet and I'm like, that's wearing a fucking rhinestone collar <laughs> sure is. oh my and god like, it's not fair that i have never held a piglet that was wearing a rhinestone collar i know there's truly no justice in this world i'm gonna buy a rhinestone collar and go to a petting zoo and just like slip it on and pick up a plate and take a picture. <laughs> I would love nothing more than for you to do that. Honestly, I guess if you go in Portland, they might just be all into it. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, Staying on the chief for a second, though, I also love that something Clifford says something about like, you know, stirring up pigeons or something like that. And the chief gets like really mad and is like, leave the pigeons alone. And then at the end of the movie, when the Spice Girls get like pulled over, one of the things that they're being ticketed for is frightening the pigeons. And I was like, you called it back. I fucking love this movie. It's so silly. It's like very silly, but I'm also like, this movie, I don't know. It's doing what it needs to do, I think. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, we will get into later. Yeah. Um Speaking of animals, I like how Ginger Spice was the one with weird animal facts, mm-hmm. um, even if one of them was incorrect, because I am also that person. Oh, no. What, what was it? Uh, so, uh, manta rays are not the biggest fish. What is the biggest fish? I wrote this down. Yep. The whale shark is the world's biggest fish. And it's like 40 feet long. And I feel like manta rays get pretty big. So, she's pretty close. Maybe they were the biggest fish in 1997. This is also a possibility. There's so much weird shit in the ocean, y'all. We're constantly learning new things about the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene, that party that they go to, the like press party or whatever, is just full of so many amazing scenes. But the one where Ginger is like talking to that guy about how like the Spice Girls don't mean to, like, threaten men's masculinity. And she's, like, leaning so close to him and, like, talking so enthusiastically. And he's just, like, shrinking into himself and then, like, excuses himself to go pee is, like, one of my favorite fucking things in any movie ever. It is really good. 
It's so funny and so smart. This movie is so smart. And when I learned like three days ago that it was written by a man, I feel like my brain fell out of my head because I was like, what the f- how? Maybe it was written by someone who is not heterosexual. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> is maybe what I would think, potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that scene was excellent as a... As someone who used to get into arguments about feminism at, at college parties, I feel like I'm like, oh, yeah, I too used to frighten men. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, so good. Good times. Um, on the, OK, so number one, it's obviously a shame there's not a sequel to this movie, but I would 110 percent watch Spice Force vibe. Mm-hmm. Like with. Just give it, I mean, I mean, basically they're just describing the like Charlie's Angels reboot, <laughs> essentially, which is mm-hmm. also campy and ridiculous and great. So, yeah. All right. I have only one more thing. Cool. Me too. Which is that, has there ever been a more overeducated, underpaid millennial hashtag moon than Deborah being like, I have a degree in econ philosophy and politics, and I have to worry about if Sporty Size has the right, like... Nike Air Max. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, mm, <laughs> right, right in the, hit me right in the overpriced women's studies <laughs> degree. I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, My last thing is just this, like, really, this is such a, like this joke was written for like the parents of people who were supposed to be watching. And like, I don't think I would understand it now if like my, whichever parent I watched this with first hadn't like explained to me why it was funny, but the part where they're trying to like convince meatloaf who plays the bus driver to like plunge the toilets. And he's like, listen, I love these girls and I would do anything for them, but I won't do that. Is like, a really good joke apparently because he has a song that goes i would do anything for love but i won't do that and it's like never stated what the that is in the <laughs> song and so it's been kind of a meme since whenever it came incredible. out <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah so also what a callback to be like I oh know. we got meatloaf let me just write this in real quick <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh it's amazing Okay. I'm so happy to be talking about this movie. This movie's excellent. Welcome to the style and fashion section where we talk about aesthetics. And we're going to try to not go overboard. But you guys, this movie is so fun to look at. There are so many. If you want to watch a movie where you see... A never-ending parade of iconic, of both iconic <laughs> ladies '90s looks, but also a bunch of just like very strange like costume designing. This movie is for you, one hundred percent. Should we talk about like the style broadly to try and like fit in everything that we can't talk about specifically? Is that yeah? Okay. I mean, the Spice Girls were fucking, like, trendsetters, you know? They were, I feel like, maybe more than any other sort of pop stars of that era. They were as much about, like, 
creating a subculture as they were about like the music that they were making yeah and especially because they each had like their own like own distinct specific look that you didn't necessarily see in like Backstreet Boys or in sync, or I feel like really. I mean, I'm like, what other girl groups do I know besides Spice Girls there and Destiny's Child? I feel like Child. it was mostly <laughs> it was mostly like individual artists for yeah, like TLC and Destiny's Child and the Spice Girls. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, it was like single people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so everyone has like a very specific look. Like Posh is obviously the fancier one. And Sporty is always wearing some kind of athleisure wear. Yeah. (laughs) Or athletic something something. I feel like Scary Spice was just like, whatever's going to be look hot, which is everything because she's gorgeous. So Yeah. I feel like she was like a lot of animal prints was sort of like her vibe. Or maybe that's just me like remembering what her like Spice Girls doll like I think was wearing like cheetah print and then she has zebra print stuff in her like section of the bus and stuff like that. Yeah, which I feel a little bit uh about, but <laughs> but I mean, you know, it is a look. And then I feel like Ginger Spice, I'm just like you're I feel like I I feel like for Ginger and Baby, I'm kind of like, I don't really know how to describe I mean, I guess Baby Spice had the whole like looking younger than she was kind of vibe yeah she was all like pigtails and pastel colors and like Mm -hmm. 60s like go-go clothes kind of and then yeah ginger's whole thing was sort of just like you're hot (laughs) that was she's like the sexy spice she's got really big boobs and she wears really loud clothes that really accentuate her big boobs and like whatever they were still great fucking clothes so yeah it's also funny because she was like the most outspoken feminist of the five of them too so she's like the sexy one but also is like embracing that in a way that was like not male gazy in a way that i think is really impressive yeah no i mean i feel like I feel there's nothing sexier than like a confident lady who's just like, fuck you. Yeah. I look I look great. Everyone knows I look great. I don't care about your opinion. And I'm just like, yes, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Self-esteem. It must be must be nice. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um So yeah, and so yeah, their aesthetics in the bus sort of reflect that, which is still deeply funny to me. It's so funny. Though the lips couch, whoever has the lips couch. Jerry, yeah. A plus. Totally. Yeah, Baby has like a playground-ish situation with like a swing set. Bosch just has a fucking runway. (laughs) Like a tiny runway. I feel like I described Baby Spice's area as looking like it came from a Polly Pocket. Like the little Polly Pocket. Whatever those are designed like. I'm like, that just looks like what she's like. She is the Polly in the Polly Pocket. Totally, yeah. And Sporty just has a fucking exercise bike. <laughs> you know, honestly, good for her. She's probably the most comfortable out of all of them. For oh, everything. totally. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, but and so yeah, so they 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 remain consistent to their aesthetic throughout the movie. But I think we would be remiss if we did not mention the like photo shoot scene, which. I like literally had to pull up a list of like what iconic looks slash people they were pulling from. Cause I'm just like, 
not even I necessarily get all of the references. I mean, a yeah. lot of the ref- a lot of the references, honestly. I think my top ones though was uh, the Greece one because I love mm. people in drag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I think it's Scary Spice dressed up to look like Madonna from the Material Girls video, maybe the like no. red sparkly thing. All right. Oh, I guess Internet Movie Database suggests uh, Diana Ross from the Supremes. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I'm just like you mean her in that divine dress. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i mean i guess the time periods would match up anyway um yeah that scene is just there for fun and everyone looks great yeah there are a couple times during that photo shoot where like sporty spice is just like really fucking doing it for me <laughs> namely in drag it's like oh i understand why uh so many queer people or also also love sporty spice according to i guess an article that i read where she had to whoever is sporty spice is like yeah i wish i was a lesbian because dudes suck but and i'm so like people she's like when like young queer girls come up to me and they're just like oh my god it's like i'm glad that you're fine that you're relating to me but i'm I'm not i'm not queer i'm sorry <laughs> yeah the part of that photo shoot where she is dressed as Danny from Greece and like Baby Spice is dressed as as Sandy and she like reaches in her pants and like pulls out the like nylons or whatever that she's been packing with is like I can't believe that's in this movie. Like there's so much in this movie that I'm like I can't believe that was in there and I'm so glad that it is. Just so glad. Yeah. However many gay people worked on this, just the hat, hats off to you. Yeah, totally. Because um, again, I think this is definitely, I'm like, yeah, there's too much stuff like that where I'm like, there was a lot of homosexuals behind the camera. So yeah, in a way that I'm just like, ah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, totally. <sighs> okay. Yeah. And so what else style wise? I really like... The different ways that, because like a lot of this movie is like an examination of what it means to be a Spice Girl, to have this persona placed upon you and like them sort of being like, is this who I am? Like, is the persona me or like, am I the persona? Whatever. And I really like the way that it gets played with in the like flash forward to when they all have kids and they're all (laughs) still like the most extreme extrapolation of their like spice persona. <laughs> oh my god, it's so fucking funny. It is a really hilarious scene. Sporty still on the exercise bike. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. just like haggard and sweaty. I don't know. Baby Spice is just like having kids because she gets bored of not having a baby around. <laughs> I don't know. Fucking posh being like, thank God for boarding school. (laughs) They're just really good. And the fact that Ginger has named her kids after Bruce Willis and Demi Moore is also (laughs) one of the funniest fucking things. Yeah, also a a very 90s joke now, I think. (laughs) Yes, extremely of its time. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I have to point out when they take their pregnant friend to the club 
so many of these clubs like there is literally i think someone dressed in a like pleather green suit with like fluffy wings and i'm like i want to be at this party so badly (laughs) it's the medusa one for me the person who's like wearing all like white glitter and they have like a sculpted like snakes headpiece on oh my god how did i miss that oh my god you will see they walk past this person like i think outside the club when they're going to like take nicola to the hospital Mm -hmm. that was like i just for me like of everything that happens in this movie that is the look is this this incredible fucking outfit i mean that is a really good that's a i mean like as uh as a costume perfect as going to the club where like it just like you are just in the stratosphere about how incredible yeah (sighs) so the part where they go to italy to do (laughs) their little thing and like the dude has made it so that they have these backup dancers that are like super buff dudes in like tiny 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 pants and no shirts and they're like absolutely not and then day of the performance we like learned that there was a compromise reached and they're wearing these incredible like iridescent pink and purple tuxedos like sleeveless tuxedos but one piece even without the part where like the butts have been cut out of them and that's the compromise like (laughs) those outfits (laughs) and like all the dudes are wearing like thongs essentially yeah thongs (laughs) and i'm like it looks like they're performing at a gay bar and I love everything about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. They're so good. Yeah. I have to say that I really like their outfits when they have their show at the their their final their show that they've been that they're late to, that they like run into. I'm like, everyone just looks so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think besides their like all silver Spice Force vibe, I feel like their outfits at the end are like my favorite outfits. Nice. With the honorable mention to whoever is wearing a, like, puffy white jacket that looks like it's, like, a NASA astronaut. Yeah, Scary Spice. She wears that twice. I think she used to wear that, like, a lot. I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking cool. I'm like, I really try not to own white clothing because I am a dirtbag and I'm, it'll get stained immediately. But I'm like, oh, but I need something that looks like I'm an astronaut. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, My last thing here is that, like, gauzy pillow fort that they're all in, like, outside the haunted house the next morning has been a constant dream of mine to own since the first time I saw this movie. That is a dream. I was also like, how can I be there? Right? It's so great in a fluffy bathrobe just chilling oh my god oh yeah just yeah yeah just a dream to the listener it's sort of like a gazebo i guess but like draped with it's sectioned so like five different colors of like bright fabric and then like on the inside there's matching pillows all piled up everywhere and it just looks like the coziest cutest most wonderful place that you could ever drink coffee in the morning you know yeah oh no it is yeah i also want you to have that space (laughs) uh oh my god i have one more thing though before we move on which is clifford clifford's 
he's the manager, his facial hair and literally every outfit he is wearing makes him feel like he walked out of the Capitol in the Hunger Games. Yeah, you're totally right. Every outfit is like he's wearing, it's like shimmery, iridescent fabric, like they're suits, but it's just very shimmery. He has like his hairstyles in a way that's like very unusual, his facial hair. And it just reminds me of all the like Seneca Crane memes from when the first Hunger Games came out. And I'm like, no, you, that this is just your whole aesthetic. Yeah, that's <laughs> so accurate. Like, you fucking nailed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love it. I'm very proud of us for not going through every single outfit in this movie. I know, me too. Very hard listeners, so you have to watch it. It was so hard. <laughs> Sometimes when we can feel that something like that could happen, we have to like text about it ahead of time to be like, let's not do this, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that had to be me. I started doing my notes and I'm like, oh, I'm only 10 minutes into this movie. I cannot comment on every single outfit that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Would you like to start? Uh, yeah, I'll start. As I mentioned before, briefly, which we'll get more into in our... Are we doing a personal essay section for this episode? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I was not really into the Spice Girls, so my Spice Girls knowledge is very surface level. Um, watching this movie, though, I feel like, as much as I love Scary Spice, I feel like... Since her vibe is kind of like the angry one and she wears a lot of leopard and animal print is a little bit, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't think it's trying to seem racist. It just makes me a little <laughs> like, it's a little bit like, uh, I'm like mildly uncomfortable <laughs> by yeah. her like, oh, well, we'll just put the one black girl on like animal print and she's like the aggressive one. And I'm like, this is really playing off of a lot of really bad tropes about black people and culture. So I'm just kind of like, interesting. I had definitely thought that about like the animal print stuff, especially when they do the thing in the photo shoot where they like have her dressed up as like a caveman, which is like, "Mm, guys. Yeah. I literally have what the fuck this, this costume in all caps. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious about like, her being the angry one though because i don't think that's like ever any i was into the spice girls when they were a thing when i was in like fifth grade and i feel like it was always like she's the outspoken one she's like the Mm. her and jerry i think were the two that were like gonna stand up to people and that was sort of like what their personas were um and so i would love to hear more about like you know because i'm like bringing my nine-year-old self into watching this movie and like for you to be watching it without that sort of like embedded childhood hand-holding that was done by like reading you know teen magazines with like cutouts of the Spice Girls in them um I mean I guess because yeah so I'm like just watching the movie and like she there's like a more than one instance of her like threatening someone with violence like not in a like or you know kind of way and I guess I'm just always kind of just really aware, especially if there's like one black person in a thing, how they are portrayed. Yeah. And I think you can feel from this movie that this is maybe a thing that like Mel B, who's Scary Spice, is like embracing for the most part. And so it doesn't make me feel actually angry. It's more of a like, eh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. not the best look, but like not something that I'm just like, 
how dare they? Right. It's more of a like, uh, uh. yeah. <laughs> mild to moderate cringe is what I. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the, it's like the mildest cringe. Um, okay, but like not enough for me to be like she's a terrible character because like I mean, I mean she gets as much characterization as like anyone in this movie, which is that they're just five ladies living their uh, Spice Girl pop singer life, you know? Right. Yeah. So I just figured that would I would just bring that up as a thing where it's kind of like, yeah, the mildest of cringe, but like not enough to like make me upset about watching this movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so my, I think, biggest point here is like, why did this movie flop? Why is this movie so hated? And I think the answer is misogyny. I feel like if you like... Wayne's World, The Muppets, both, and you don't like Spice World, you might be sexist. I like feel pretty confident being like, I think, I can't remember if this is from my brain or from your wife's brain that Spice World is like Wayne's World, but for like the girls, gays, and theys, basically. It's like feminist Wayne's World. No gross jokes, you know, but it's just like, Famous people cameos, fourth wall breaking, self-referential. The whole thing is about trying to get to a concert on time. Like, the same exact flavor of jokes, only like feminist and fun and not gross. And people are like, ooh, this is a bad movie. I'm like, no, you're a bad person, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so this movie has like, two and a half stars on in that movie database and like some of the trivia is about how much critics didn't like it but i'm also like okay so this is like the mid 90s like all the critics were like cis hat white dudes i'm like of course they're not gonna like this this is literally not for them this is you know as i said in my intro this is not for them there should be something where it's like you get to like choose when you release a movie to be like actually you're not invited to review this movie because it's not for you yeah Exactly. No one fucking cares what you think, Roger Ebert. Right! And I mean, I've seen a lot of bad 90s movies, and I'm like, this is as fun as a, like, ridiculous 90s action movie, which it it basically is, in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And, yeah, and I think just because it's about, like, the Spice Girls, where it's like, oh, like, pop, pop group that kids like, and, like, teen girls. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and I all of the reviews that are like, they can't act. I'm like, they address this like five minutes into the movie where they start the Literally. whole thing where it's like they're pitching the movie within the movie. And it's like, yeah, but can they act? And they're like, act. Did anyone care if Marilyn Monroe could act? All they cared is that she in focus. And it's like, right. They told us from jump. No, they can't act. That's not what we're doing here. So, like, if you miss the memo, that is a you problem, my man. Like, yeah, we have been invited to not care that they can't act. And, like, we should not care because it's a fucking great movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to, like, which is, I think, a problem with the idea about what is great art where it's like, if it's just great art as decided by like old cis hat white dudes. And I'm like, it's just going to be the things that interest of interest to like old cis white dudes, which is like other cis hat white dude being in movies, you know? Yeah. Like, 
This movie is not any less ridiculous than Speed, which they reference. And Speed is great. Young Keanu Reeves, young... Oh my god. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. But the movie makes zero fucking sense. The movie makes... As the movie makes negative sense. Okay. <laughs> People find Speed a classic. I'm like, why is right. this a classic? Misogyny. Fucking misogyny. Speaking of, I kind of love how the, like, villain, quote-unquote, of this movie is a, like, old, white, fucked-up newspaper guy and, like, a creepy paparazzi dude. And I'm like, that is a very succinct, actually, critique of when you're a famous lady. I mean, kind of fame in general, but especially if you're a famous lady, where it's like, oh, yeah, the villains of your life are going to be your, like, terrible manager doesn't give you a break. And, like, what the tabloids are saying about you. And, like, really creepy paparazzi dudes. And I'm like, that is an excellent analysis. I totally agree. Yeah, that's my other point here also. And I think especially in, like, late 90s British tabloid media, like, this was probably, like, a pretty big call out in a way that, like, we might not even be able to understand fully, save from, you know what we learned from like the princess diana stuff you know right yeah and actually she she died either i think maybe uh it might have been maybe this movie was either in post-production or about to come out and they had to like cut out a bit where they reference her and it's like because apparently the british paparazzi has always been worse than the u.s one which i'm like how is that even possible but i know corruption essentially yeah uh so yeah so I think a very, a very timely message, which alone is like, you guys didn't like that? Like, that is, that's an excellent analysis. Yeah, totally. I know. Yeah, it's really good. Um, okay, I have a few more points, which is another excellent analysis, which is that their manager and their boss won't let them have fucking time off. And they're like overbooked and overworked. And I'm like, no, you guys should leave. Like... <laughs> They can't make money if you don't show up. And it but and it like benefits no one for y'all to be exhausted trying to sing and dance every goddamn night Acro- like across time zones? Hell no. Mm-hmm. Like Agreed. what the fuck? Like that. And apparently in real life that was also an issue that they were having. Like they fired their manager for basically overworking and like overbooking them. And I'm like that is fucked up. Yeah, it like, is. I mean the music industry is its own sort of can of like fucked up worms, but I'm like, I don't know. Justice for the Spice Girls. Yeah, for real. Uh, I think we should talk about the whole Mel B and Jerry thing that is becoming very topical right now as of this recording. Um, do you want to talk about the the TikTok? Yeah, so I actually, Jesse and I talked about this off air recently because I saw a TikTok that was like, oh, let me... Like, and it had like huge, so many people had like seen and liked and whatever on this TikTok. Um, what this person was like, I have receipts to like prove that like Mel B and Jerry had a sexual relationship and like that's why the Spice Girls broke up, basically. And they like said a bunch of stuff and were like acting as if they were like quoting things, but like I have a policy where I like always fact check things that come into my brain via TikTok because a lot of the time it's fake. So I was like, let me do my due diligence. And basically like a lot of the stuff they were saying had been like taken out of context or 
I just like couldn't find the source of it. Basically, like the facts boil down to like one time in one interview, I think Mel B like insinuated or maybe straight up said that like she and Jerry had slept together one time, like early on in the Spice Girls. And Jerry has flat out been like, this, this is not true. And that's it. Like, that's the whole thing. They were like, not as far as either of them are willing to say they were not in a relationship with one another. They may or may not have hooked up one time is as much as like they have put out there. Um, And even that is like only one person saying that it's the case. So anyway, moral of the story, it's all speculation and rumors, which I mean, is a lot of what happens with like parasocial relationships with famous people, but like don't talk about things as facts if you don't, know that they are yeah and if they don't want to talk about it they like don't want to talk about it you know as much as i want everyone that i like who is famous to be queer it doesn't necessarily mean that they are and that you have to you can't just take everything you see on tiktok at face value like it's very important like you said that you do to fact check when you see things on reddit or tiktok or twitter if you're even on twitter anymore so Yeah, exactly. And I think the most disappointing thing about people like focusing on this is that one thing I never see anyone talking about is the fact that in I think the two become one music video, there are there's at least a lesbian couple, but I think a lesbian couple and a gay couple represented in that music video that came out in like 1996, seven, eight. Like, why don't we just talk about the like, queer rights that the Spice Girls were actually making space for in their actual work instead of like rumor mongering about their personal lives that we don't know anything about. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta love being like, oh, actually, you guys are kind of progressive. (laughs) Which is like, I think they were very progressive, which I think is nice, because I feel like there's a tendency, I think, among people who were not born in the 90s to be like only in the past 20 years have things been gay and it's like things have always been gay just in different ways because of oppression (laughs) yeah but yeah i think the spice girls had really rad politics and that the fact that they are not like represented that way in the cultural memory shared memory is like misogyny on the part of feminists because it's like well but they were they were pop stars they were frivolous they were about fashion like they can't possibly be like serious enough to be taken seriously as being fucking the feminist icons that they absolutely should be considered to be because like literally my dvd says girl power starts here or something like that like on the dvd it like the work that they were doing for preteens in the late 90s, it's like, okay, how many of you like serious feminists were like actually making a difference in the ways that like little girls were thinking about themselves and their place in the world in 1997? You know? Just the fact that they had like, they were everywhere, like that kind of mass appeal and like, right, being able to reach so many people who are, you know, to be like, hell yeah, Spice Girls is, like, incredible. And also, like, feminism doesn't have to be boring, I think is... Fuck yeah. 
kind of the whole point about uh legally blonde but it's also just like i think that i don't know i feel this is this is like especially in the 90s this sort of ideal where it's like well if you're not like wearing birkenstocks and like no bra then you weren't a serious feminist and it's like that is not what feminism is about actually um it movements should be fun like that's the only way people are going to be able to to long-term fight against the patriarchy and like misogyny homophobia and transphobia if that shit isn't fun yep nailed it anyway that nobody thought that us talking about this 2.5 star movie was gonna culminate in us being like no the spice girls are fucking feminist heroes but here we are i mean even if you go for the and i will go on the record to have this very controversial statement the limited reach of the Brechtel test this shit passes the Brechtel test really okay yes can i tell you i read an interview with i think it was vice did an interview with the dude who wrote this movie in 2018 17 and like it is wild he is clearly great clearly like very well intentioned he is not at all who you would like from the the interview you're not like oh yeah it makes sense that you wrote this movie but there is a point in the interview where the person's like you know how did how did you like you know channel this girl power and he's like i don't know i just think like women's rights are good and i like went go to the march and stuff and i was like what's that thing that test and the uh, the interviewer was like the bechdel test and he was like yeah that this movie passes that in every scene they never talk about men and i was just like this is the cutest thing i have ever seen a man say (laughs) he didn't know the name of it he just like you know he like learned about it and was like huh yeah my movie did that and you like protect him at all costs (laughs) Which is like, I mean, honestly, that is sort of the best usage of the Brechtel test is just to get people who maybe hadn't thought about movies in that way to just to be like, oh, I didn't realize that this movie that I like, that the woman is only ever speaking to other men and there's no other, there's not more than one lady and she could be replaced by a lamp and the plot wouldn't change. And like, that's the best usage of the Brechtel test, not to be like, Fire Island sucks because it doesn't pass the Brechtel test, which, lol, Alison Brechtel was like, I'm changing it, everyone. Fire <laughs> Island is now part of it, it, it. I say that it passes the Brechtel test. It's like the exception. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. God, this just made me mad all over again that, like, <laughs> Wonder Woman, which does not pass the Bechdel test, it does is not like... fucking pass the Brechtel test. <laughs> It's lauded as this feminist movie and everyone hates Spice Girls. Sorry, go ahead. I'm about to say, like, whichever Spice Girl is dressed up as Wonder Woman, like, make a movie out of that. I would watch that. The Spice Girls Wonder Woman movie. We could have had it all. We could have had it all. Oh my gosh, what a great conversation. Um, Do you have anything else here? I do not have anything else here. All right. Which is good. We can end on a high note, which rarely ever happens. I know. It's because this movie is so fun. Because it it makes feminism fun, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Welcome to the essay section where we talk about our relationships with this movie. You should start. 
All right. Um, as I briefly touched on earlier, I was ambivalent to the Spice Girls, mostly because, like many tomboys, uh, I was anti-femme in ways that I have now realized that that's what that was. Um, because I liked like Mad Magazine and sci-fi and singer-songwriters. Uh, but now that I'm an old fag, I appreciate everything about every single thing about this movie and about the Spice Girls, like danceable music, solid pop hits. I mean, feminism. What more do you need? Yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, do you know when you first watched this movie? It wasn't when we watched it together. Like, it a couple totally years ago, was when we watched it together like two years ago. Oh, my God. That is wild to me. Um, listeners, for the record, we watched this because it was not on the Internet Archive two years ago. So like me and my partner and Jesse and their wife watched it via Zoom. But like, I guess it was pre-pandemic, maybe, because like it wasn't easy to like watch a movie together at that yeah, point. Or maybe yeah. it was just because we were watching on DVD. So I like had the DVDs to my computer and then was like screen sharing that and had like an <laughs> external speaker set up so that it would like be loud enough for you guys to hear it. but yeah. i still had to like have the subtitles on so that you could know what was happening oh <laughs> uh, it was fun though i think we we did a good job yeah i think probably until you had mentioned it, i had basically forgotten that they had a movie because again only the m- most, like, I am a person who consumes pop culture. I'm aware of the Spice Girls, but, like, didn't, like, had forgotten that they had had a movie. Yeah. 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 Um, I I got into the Spice Girls, I think, when Spice World, the album, came out. Is that what it, Or maybe it was just Spice. Anyway, it was their second album. I had, like, been dragged kicking and screaming into liking pop music um, <laughs> by like my very small friend group in fifth grade who were like no you like Hanson now and I was like oh, fuck I do that makes me not cool but I like legitimately do like Hanson and then it sort of snowballed from there so I, I didn't see this in theaters or anything but like I probably saw it around when it came out and yeah, I think I said in our Batman and Robin movie, this was one of my like three dad's house movies. So I watched it a lot. I have seen this movie. I It would not be exaggerating to say over a hundred times. I have like the majority of it memorized. It's just a very important movie to me. I quote it all the fucking time. So I want to point out like two things that I think come up for me a lot quote wise. And like no one, no one has seen this movie. No one knows what I'm talking about. One of them is whenever someone is talking about like a like an insurmountable problem that they're facing i'm always like if only she could get over her fear of heights and snow and if she could just <laughs> get her hands on a pair of skis <laughs> it's like you know the perfect analogy um and then you know when you're like crossing the street and like cars are coming and you have to do the little like shuffle to get across the street it hurts my knees I don't do it I just walk and like literally every time we're like walking a dog or whatever and Evan sort of like jogs across the street and I just keep walking I just imagine myself as posh spice in the obstacle course scene where everyone's like going through the tunnel and she just like walks on by (laughs) with her heels on and like that's that's me right now (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, 
Yeah, me too. Anyway, I love this movie and I'm very glad that you've seen it now. Yeah. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Okay, so. So their bus is a TARDIS. Totally is. (laughs) And I have to say, the fact that the Spice Girls, I guess I don't remember if knew who started by then, started by this time, but I'm like. No, it started in 2005. All right, never mind. I'm just like, we should, we could have had a reference. Yeah. Uh, so, and I mean, the predator friend, their pre- the actress who plays their predator friend is in Torchwood, so I'm like, which is actually an excellent, I mean, so the second half of my point is that this mo- this is a sci-fi action movie. Like. It is. They're, they're in a TARDIS. Clifford has a weird sci-fi wardrobe. They meet aliens. They meet aliens in the middle of this movie, everyone. <laughs> like, this is a sci-fi action movie. <laughs> And they apparently have a, you know, universal translator because those aliens are not speaking English, but the Spice Girls understand them. They sure do. And I'm like, sci-fi movies are full of bad movies we all love. So I really feel like sci-fi fans really need to embrace Spice World. I love that. I agree with you. And I'm like, right. And I feel like the idea of like Spice World and Doctor Who existing in the same universe is... I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah, so the the meta-ness of this movie, I think, like, probably defined a lot of my sense of humor, you know? Because that's a thing that I really love in media. And this, yeah, this movie is just, like, com- a completely self-contained unit. Everything is self-referential sort of getting more and more so as we move through the movie and i i think it's incredible like i think it's so fucking funny and brilliant and when we get to the end where like the dudes that are pitching the movie have like come to clifford while he's freaking out that the spice girls aren't going to show up to the show because he was a jerk to them and we sort of enter this weird like fugue state where it's like is this what's happening to the spice girls or is this what this dude is describing would be in the movie and like clearly the answer is both yeah it's so so good and like my two three yes three favorite things one when damien the like evil creepy tabloid guy gets caught in the hospital and the dude i wish i knew the name of the guy who's pitching the movie can't remember it you know he's like he you know realizes what he's been doing and that like his entire life has been living a meaningless lie and then it like cuts to the hospital and like riffraff literally just is like i've been living a meaningless lie (laughs) (laughs) and like clifford is like that seems too easy, and Deuce just like, that's the power of girl power, man. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it is. Truly. <sighs> it's so good. And then he, like, takes down Kevin McMaxford because he's, like, seen the light of the Spice Girls, which is beautiful. But probably the best part of the whole thing <laughs> is when they have to jump the bridge yes! in the bus. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
It's so good. So listeners, they're like racing in the spice bus, a two, like a double decker, giant fucking bus to get to the venue on time. And they have to go over a drawbridge and there's a boat coming and it's going up and it's like, oh, they're going to they're going to jump the bridge. And he's like describing it. They're like, it's amazing. It's expensive. And then it cuts and it's like a Hot Wheels bus on like a little diorama bridge. And it cuts back to them and they're like, not necessarily. The best. Like, you're right. Just the most. That whole, yeah, I know you're right. That whole that whole meta sequence where the where the screenwriter or whatever is pitching the like movie as it's happening is like flawless. It's so good. But yeah, that bit with the bus <laughs> is just I like. I mean, I like. Am not kidding. I feel like people in film school should be studying this scene for just like stop having film students watch Birth of a Nation. It's fucking racist. Who gives a fuck? Fucking put on Spice World. I am nodding so emphatically, listeners. <laughs> I could not agree more. Oh, it's so good. Um, my second favorite meta part is the very, very like the end credits where like everyone's on set. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alan Cumming just walking around trying to talk to anyone about the fact that he has to wear a chest wig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the fact that the part where, like, the bomb on the bus never gets followed up on until, unless you watch, like, through the end of that end credit scene. And they're like, oh, what about that thing that we never resolved the plot line of? And then you just, like, hear the bus explode in the distance. And that's, like, you know, cut to black, normal scrolling credits is perfect. And no, it is it is seriously perfect. And, yeah, it just... Just the way that this movie openly acknowledges the like like obvious like 90s movie tropes is just so good because it's like why is there a bomb because it's the rules and the rules are because it's fucking cool like yeah. that yeah. like that is the rules like why is posh spice driving this bus and like four inch stiletto heels because it looks <laughs> fucking cool yeah. that's all you need to know and frankly that's all i need to know as a watcher i'm like you're right that does look fucking cool yep so. yeah it's just great yeah. Welcome to the health and science section where we talk about research that we did. Um, this is mostly just trivia because like I said, this is a sci-fi action movie. So I'm not here to like debunk any of the science minus about the biggest fish in the world. <laughs> but so, okay. So in this movie, the spy schools break up temporarily and Jerry did actually leave the Spice Girls shortly after this movie came out. I think it was like five months later or something. And then they were still together until like 2000 before they broke up. Um, also, their origin story is not that they were homeless friends who decided to, who tried to make it I big. I don't think they're supposed to be homeless. I guess it's broke. Yeah, they're, they're just, just skint college students or whatever. Starving artists. Uh, so a lot of people thought that was their actual origin because it was in this movie. Oh, not, really? Yeah. Which is obviously just like, also just being like, LOL, like starving artists who are just like trying to make it big in their local coffee shop. No, they they all answered an ad because a London magazine was trying to 
put together a girl group and like 400 girls were like interviewed to be in Spice Girls. So that's the real origin story. Like many boy and girl bands of the 90s, a company put them together because yeah. people love pop music. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if things in the movie don't make sense, it's because the rules are it looks fucking cool and it's fun. Yep. So, so why wouldn't they be on top of the bus? Why wouldn't they be on top of the bus? Why wouldn't there be aliens randomly? Because it's fucking cool. Like, yep. who cares? What? Why are they lounging in like plush bathrobes by this haunted mansion? Because it looks fucking cool, which it does. It does. Yeah. And then um, I think my last bit of trivia. So this movie did all right in the box office. Um, I, it did really well. It's like opening weekend. I don't know if it's necessarily a. F- I mean, it obviously didn't get. It was panned critically because, as we said, misogyny. Um, it made decent amount of money, but unfortunately, uh, this came out within a few month period of time as Titanic, which, as we all know, is like literally one of the top grossing movies ever. More people might have seen it. But then everyone saw Titanic instead, which mm. having just seen Titanic equally as like not as ridiculous. It's just like Titanic has a better budget, but is at its core also kind of ridiculous. Fair. So, but I think probably dudes like it also because it's like the first half is a like quirky period romance romance movie. And then the second half is a straight up disaster film. Yeah. So, um, that is all I have. Rad. All right. Thank you all so much for listening and for celebrating, celebrating for, for attending summer camp with us. Um, check the show notes for all of the things. And we will be back in two weeks with the first half of the subtle knife. Uh, a, a very large tonal shift. <laughs> Super intense tonal shift. <laughs> oh, but until then. Spice up your life. Hell yeah. <laughs>